I have taken the title from something Eliphaz says to Job. He says, Acquaint yourself with him and be at peace. Now, you know, that's very good advice for any of us. The fact that it's coming from someone who doesn't even know what he said uh, doesn't take away from the truth of what's being said. So, let's just read our verses here. Verses 15 through 30 of Job 22, and then we'll get into to analyzing what it is the Lord is saying to us. Have you, Eliphaz says to Job, he says, Have you marked the old, the old way which wicked men have trodden, which were cut down of old time? Uh, out of time, I'm sorry. Whose foundation was overflown with a flood? He's referring to the people who died in the flood of Noah, which said unto God, Depart from us, and what can the Almighty do for them? Yet he filled their houses with good things, but the counsel of the wicked is far from me. Now, all of that right there is just reading Job's words back to himself. Uh, I should say uh, quoting them back to himself, but we'll, we'll see what I mean by that a little later. The righteous see it and are glad. The innocent laughs them to scorn. Whereas our substance, Job, is not cut down, but the remnant of them the fire consumes. Acquaint now yourself with him. And be at peace. Thereby shall good, uh, good shall come to you. Receive, I pray you, the law from his mouth, and lay up his words in your heart. If you return to the Almighty, you will be built up. You will put away iniquity far from your tabernacles. Then shall you lay hold, lay up gold as dust, and the gold of Ophir as the stones of the brooks. Yes, the Almighty shall be your defense, and you shall have plenty of silver. For then shall you have the delight of the Almighty, and shall lift up your face unto God. You shall make your prayer unto Him, and He shall hear you, and you shall pay your vows. You shall also decree a thing, and it shall be established to you, and the light shall shine upon your ways. When men are cast down, then shall you say, there's a lifting up, and he shall save the humble person. He shall deliver the island of the innocent, and it is delivered by the pureness of your hands. It's Eliphaz's sincere understanding that no circ- un- under no circumstance would God ever bless the wicked while he's pouring out his wrath upon his own elect. After all, Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar are the type and the shadow of who we are while we are enslaved to the lies of great Babylon. Like any tithe-paying, church-going Babylonian who first hears, I create evil, I the Lord do these things, Eliphaz will not let the truth stand in his way as he defends his God who would never under any circumstance create evil or chasten and scourge his own children while physically blessing evil men whom he uses to chasten his elect. But, what do the scriptures teach us? Well, here it is. O Assyrian, the rod of mine anger and the staff in their hand is mine indignation. I will send him against a hypocritical nation, and against the people of my wrath will I give him charge to take the spoil and to take the prey and to tread them down like the mire of the streets. 
We read all that and we think that's that, that, that's terrible for the people of God's wrath. Boy, am I glad I'm not the people of God's wrath. Listen, Job is the type of God's elect who first suffer every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Who first suffer the judgments that proceed out of the mouth of God. Who first realize that all things are theirs and that they must keep the things written therein. So this is talking of us. The Assyrian is great Babylon who kills God's witnesses and leaves their dead bodies buried in the streets of that great city. Look at Revelation 11 verse 8. The great city where our Lord... It says, Their dead bodies shall lie in the street of the great city, which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt. Now get that. The great city is spiritually called Sodom and Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. Now the great city where our Lord was crucified is called Sodom and Egypt. But what else is that great city where our Lord was crucified called? Let's go over to Revelation 16. And read verses 17 through 19, and we'll see one more name given to that great city where our Lord was crucified. And the seven angels poured out their vial into the air. Seventh angel, excuse me, the seventh angels. This is the filling up of God's wrath in somebody somewhere. The seventh angel poured out his vial into the city, and there came a great voice out of the temple of heaven from the throne saying, it is done. And there were voices and thunders and lightnings, and there was a great earthquake, such as was not since men were up there on the earth so mighty an earthquake and so great. And the great city was divided into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell. And great Babylon came in remembrance before God to give unto her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. The great city, Great Babylon, is the great city where our Lord was crucified, and it's within each of us. We keep the sayings of the prophecy of this book. So the great city is Great Babylon, and it's given to us to be the first to endure the wrath of God upon our own self-righteous old man. And that's what First Peter 4, verse 17 tells us. Eliphaz is the spirit of Babylon, which is the Assyrian who God uses to chasten and crucify his elect. Assyrians and Babylonians are the same people. Now this is all unheard of by any of us while, we're, while we work at our own righteousness. Nevertheless, this is what God is working. Look at Psalm 73, verses 3 through 7. I was grievous of the foolish... When I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Well, who, who prospers them? God prospers them. For there are no bands in their death. They don't have long grown out deaths. They don't go down to their grave in a moment. But their strength is firm. They're not in trouble as other men. Neither are they plagued like other men. Now that is an incredible statement. It's the wicked who are not plagued, not the righteous. The righteous are plagued. Therefore, pride compasses them about as a chain. Uh, Eliphaz. Look at me. My substance isn't destroyed. Violence covers them as a garment. Eliphaz is being violent to Job. 
Their eyes stand out with fatness. They have more than heart could wish. Who, who are we just reading about? The wicked. They are not plagued like other men. Includes plagues which God pours out on his own sons, of whom Job is the Old Testament type. They don't get them. We do. If we are God's elect. And we need to realize that the reason we're getting them now is because we have a promise of great reward. He is a rewarder of those that diligently seek Him. Look at Hebrews 12, verses 5 through 7. And you have forgotten the exhortation which is, speaks to you as unto children. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when you're rebuked of Him. For whom the Lord loves, He chastens. And scourges every son he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chastens not? Now that should just bring people running by the thousands to get their chastening. But it doesn't. Because it's not designed to. I'm being very facetious. God does not expect people to respond to his word in this age and to be receptive of it. It's, it's the exact opposite is true. God's chastening scourges us to the point that we all faint. When he says faint not, that, that's because we're going to faint. Like Job, who wanted to die, and like our Lord in the garden, we're troubled even to death. The point of these words... Uh, is, is that Christ himself had to be strengthened by an angel to endure the pain of suffering and even greater mental pain of being forsaken by his closest friends and his disciples just as Job is being castigated by his inward friends as he calls them look at Matthew 26 verses 31 through uh, 33 and then we'll look at a few other verses that refer to the same thing well through 35 then said Jesus unto them, All ye shall be offended of me this night. For it is written, I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered abroad. But after I am risen again, I will go before you into Galilee. Peter answered and said to him, Though all men should be offended of you, yet will I not, never be offended. And Jesus said to him, Verily I say unto you, that this night, before the cock crow, you will deny me three times. Peter said unto him, Though I should die with you, yet will I not deny you. Likewise said all the disciples. Now that's a wonderful sentiment to have, so long as you're not counting on your own strength. Look at what Christ himself endured. Verse 38 of the same chapter. Then said he to them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful even unto death. Now Christ did not say that lightly. He was in, in terror and fear of his life, knowing that his death was imminent. Tarry ye here and watch with me. And then in Luke 22, verses 41 through 44, we have another account. It gives us a little more details. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast and kneeled down and prayed, saying, Father, if you be willing, remove this cup from me. 
I mean, he was just desperate. But, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. That's how we are to pray, right there. And then verse 43 and 44, There appeared an angel to him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat was, as it were, great drops of blood falling to the ground. Now that, that is just the description of the agony that our Lord suffered that night. Before they even got a hold of him, he was in torment. And in this same way, Job typifies Christ. As Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar, his inward friends, blatantly and with no proof or witness, tell him to his face what they really think of him. And what they think of him is that he is, his wickedness is great. Verse 22, uh, chapter 22, verse 5. Is not your wickedness great and your iniquities infinite? Now let's just sort of paraphrase this. After all, just witness what God has done to you, Job. You're obviously a sinner above all men. Isn't your wickedness great and your iniquities infinite? Eliphaz is the same spirit, and it typifies the same spirit, and is the same symbol of the Pharisee looking down on the publican. He simply cannot conceive of a righteous child of God. I mean, you know, self-righteousness doesn't even exist as far as Eliphaz is concerned. And Eliphaz is us. And we can't conceive of, of a righteous child of God ever needing to be chastened or scourged by his heavenly Father. Self-righteousness isn't, isn't even detected as a sin in the mind of Eliphaz and in our minds when we are in that spirit, in that time that we're in Babylon, working out, building our own righteousness. Isaiah speaks of this spirit that Eliphaz and we have in Isaiah 65, verse 5. Here's what we say. Which say, stand by yourself. Come not near me. I'm holier than you. These are smoke in my nose. A fire that burns all day. Christ, of course, was especially repulsed by such an insidious sin which inflates all of us with pride and causes us to despise our brothers. Now here's what he said in, in one of his parables. The Pharisee stood and prayed with himself, God, I thank you that I'm not as other men. I'm not as other men. Extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. Well, now listen. I've never extorted money from anybody. And uh, there are lots of things that I haven't done. Yet I cannot and you cannot say that we're not like other men. All of that is in our flesh. So, that's, that's the point Christ is making. And that's, that's what we mean when we say we live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. We don't go out and do it, but we live by it. We live by it in as much as it's in us. And, we have, and as long as we don't acknowledge it, like Christ said to the Pharisees, Hey, if you would admit that you're blind, everything would be fine. But you won't even acknowledge it. Therefore, your sin remains. So let's acknowledge that we're blind and that we're naked and poor and miserable and in need of the eye salve of God to see ourselves for what we are. Then, we don't have to go out and kill somebody or 
take their wife away from them, rob a bank, or do any other great sin. We just acknowledge that it's within us, in our flesh, the flesh of Adam that we are. Okay. It's this, this very same spirit that Elif, in this spirit that Eliphaz continues to assault his friend Job, whom he says he had said he had come to comfort. Verse 15 and 16 of chapter 22. Have you marked the old way which wicked men have trodden, which were cut down of old time, whose foundation was overflown with a flood? Now, when he says, have you marked the way of which wicked men have trodden, Job lived much closer to the time of the flood than we live. There was no foolish uh, theory of evolution denying that God had destroyed the evil in the flood uh, in, in Job's day. My own father and my grandfather never heard of the theory of evolution when they were attending school. Neither one of them. Uh, the flood was taught as history. For well over half of our nation's history, that's that's what was taught in school. It was very much a part of the history of Job's day. And uh, and I remember once asking my uh, grandfather, I said, what was taught? He said, the Bible was, he says, the flood was taught. The Bible was accepted as history when I was a child. And that was the case in Job's day. So, uh, and Eliphaz wonders how Job could possibly think that God would punish the righteous while prospering the wicked since there was a flood, you know. So verse 17 and 18 say, Which say unto God, Depart from us. What can the Almighty do for them? Yet he filled their houses with good things, but the counsel of the wicked is far from me. Now, all of those words, Which say unto God, Depart from us. What can the Almighty do for them? Yet he filled their houses with good, but the counsel of the wicked is far from me. These are all Job's own words which he had just answered so far in the previous chapter. And uh, Eliphaz is just spitting them back at Job in, in mockery. Now let's look at what Job said in chapter 21, the previous chapter. Uh, speaking to Zophar. Therefore they say unto God, Depart from us, for we desire not the knowledge of your ways. What is the Almighty that we should serve Him? What profit have we if we pray unto Him? Their good is not in their hand. The counsel of the wicked is far from me. Job said those words. And Eliphaz is just quoting them back to him, mocking him and casting everything Job told so far in a different light. As if the fact of flood overflowing the foundations of the uh, wicked somehow proved how wrong Job is about God blessing the wicked in this age. I mean, it's like he can't even see that wicked men are running the world, even in his day. At the same time, he's mockingly applying Job's statement, the counsel of the wicked is far from me, to himself. Or rather, he's just make, trying to make Job look like a fool for having said that. Which said to God, depart from us, is Job's observation of how God blesses the wicked in this age. Eliphaz is furious that Job actually thinks that God blesses the wicked who tell God to depart from them and at the same time simultaneously chastening and scourging his own people. Yet that's the exact experience of which our judgment consists. But King David saw how God works 
and he witnesses to this same experience and his observations of life in this age. Look at Psalm 73, verses 11 and 12. And they say, How does God know? And is there any knowledge in the Most High? Behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world. They increase in riches. That's exactly what Job observed. That's exactly what Eliphaz and his friends cannot see. So the ungodly do prosper in this world, while God's children are being chastened and scourged and purified in this age. Christ himself tells us the same thing in the parable of Lazarus and the rich man. This is Christ himself showing us how he operates and works all things after the counsel of his own will. Now let's look at that parable. It's just a few verses long here. And it came to pass that the beggar Lazarus died and was carried by angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And he, the rich man, lifted up his eyes, being in torments, he did that in Hades. The word hell is Hades. And in Hades he lifted up his eyes, being in torments, and sees Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abram, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus that uh, he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that you in your lifetime received good things. And likewise, Lazarus, evil things, and now he's comforted, and you are tormented. Now that is the scenario that God lays out for his elect. And Lazarus is a type of God's elect. The rich man is the Babylonian who persecutes God's elect. As Eliphaz, we see none of this, and we self-righteously continue to equate our own physical blessings as proof positive of our own righteousness and the trials of our elect brothers as worthy of our scorn. So Eliphaz continues to attack uh, his prostrate brother Job and all of his suffering. The righteous see it, verse 19 and 20 of Job 22. The righteous see it and are glad, and the innocent laugh them to scorn. Whereas our substance is not cut down, Job him, Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar. But the remnant of them, you, Job, the fire consumes. The righteous see it and are glad, and the innocent laughs them to scorn. Now, is that true? Well, yes, it is. Here's what the scriptures reveal. Then Isaiah, the son of Amos, sent to Hezekiah, saying, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, That which you pray to me against Sennacherib, king of Assyria, I have heard. The Assyrians were attempting to invade Judah. And uh, Hezekiah had asked God to deliver them. And he did so in a very humble and moving way. It's a very interesting story, but God heard his prayer. And this is what he says. This is the word of the Lord. The Lord has spoken concerning the king of Assyria. The virgin daughter of Zion has despised you and laughed you to scorn. The daughter of Jerusalem has shaken her head at you. Whom have you reproached and blasphemed? And against whom have you exalted your voice and lifted up your eyes? Even against the Holy One of Israel. When people laugh us to scorn, they are laughing at Christ Himself, the Holy One of Israel. Psalms 2 verse 4. He he that sits in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. 
Psalms 37, verse 13, The Lord shall laugh at him, for he sees his day is coming. Psalms 52, verse 6, The righteous shall see and fear and shall laugh at him. Lo, this is the man that made God his made not God his strength, but trusted in the abundance of his riches and strengthened himself in wickedness. See it when when Eliphaz says the righteous see it and are glad, he he's referring, of course, to himself and what he had said in uh, verses fifteen and sixteen of this same chapter. Have you marked the way of the wicked? Have chosen? Have trodden? which were cut down out of time, whose foundation was overflown with a flood. Eliphaz sees himself as the righteous, who is witnessing God's destruction of Job. And he sees himself as the innocent who will laugh at Job and laugh him to scorn as he witnesses God's judgment upon Job. What Eliphaz is, is the Pharisees of Babylon, as the type of the Pharisees of Babylon, cannot see is that it's Job who is the type of those whose house at whose house judgment first begins. And that in the end it will be Job who is doing the laughing. 1 Peter 4.17 And that's all symbolism for how things will come down. The time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? Now, the reason Peter said this is because he just told him in verse 12, don't think it's strange concerning the fiery trial that is to try you, that shall try you. It's going to happen. Don't think it's strange. Be aware of what's going on. And when uh, Eliphaz says, whereas our substance is not cut down, he's, he's saying, look at what's happening to you, Job. This is something we we should never, under any circumstance, indulge. That's what Eliphaz is doing. But the remnant of them, the fire consumed, he's referring to what happened to Job's substance. In Job 1, verse 16, uh, While he was yet speaking, there came another and said, The fire from God has fallen from heaven, has burned up all the sheep and all the servants, and consumed them. And I only am escaped alone to tell you. Eliphaz considered Job to be as wicked as Sodom, and therefore Job's household was like the remnant of those destroyed by the flood. In drawing this parallel, Eliphaz is ignoring the fact that God has given the dominion of the kingdoms of men over to the evil men from Noah to Sodom and right up to his own day. Like the self-righteous Pharisee he typifies within each each of us, Eliphaz thinks that he knows God and that he knows how God thinks and yet he would have no idea what the words of this next verse mean and these words express the true mind of God Isaiah 53 verse 4 surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows yet we did as Eliphaz the self-righteous Pharisee esteem him our own savior stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. You say, I've never considered Christ to be stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. That was the Jews that did that to him. Listen, every time you and I judge a brother who's going through a trial and think, well, I wonder what kind of sin he's committing. That's what we're doing. God is working a a work in each of us and we're no different than that brother who's going through the trial. We're all full of sin. 
And yes, we are all smitten of God and afflicted. But to look down on somebody who's going through a trial as if you aren't that way, as if you haven't gone through it or don't need to go through it, is the sin that has to be burned out of every human being who has ever lived. Because we are all, well, we're all Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar before we become Job. Eliphaz is you and me when we see our brothers and sisters being stricken and smitten of God. And when we do that, when we're looking down on them, we are looking down on Christ. Now that's a hard thing to get a handle on because we think, well, uh, we're sinners and Christ was. No. Christ was in sinful flesh just like we are. I didn't say he committed sin. I said he was sin. His, his body of flesh was never going to be able to inherit the kingdom of God any more than ours is. We look down on our brothers and sisters like the, like the Pharisee looked down on uh, the publican and the rich man looked down on Lazarus. We are looking down on Christ. So he continues to admonish Job. Acquaint yourself with him and be at peace. Thereby good will come to you. Receive, I pray you, the law from his mouth and lay up his words in your heart. If you return to the Almighty, you'll be built up. You shall put away iniquity far from your tabernacles. Then shall you lay up gold as dust and the gold of Ophir as stones of the brooks. All true words. All true words just coming from someone who needs to know what they mean. If only we can indeed become or come to acquaint ourselves with God and if only we can come to know who God is and who Christ is because acquaint yourself with Him and be at peace is the very definition of life eternal in John 17 verse 3 which which says uh, this is life eternal to know God and Jesus Christ whom He has sent. There's no way of knowing the Father but by Christ and when we know Christ then we understand that we have no righteousness of our own. And we know that Christ was the very first to be esteemed by us, stricken and smitten of God and afflicted by us. We understand that. Isaiah 53 verse 4, Surely He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we, as Eliphaz, the self-righteous Pharisee, esteem Him stricken and smitten of God and afflicted. Matthew eleven twenty seven. All things are delivered unto me of the Father. No man knows the Son but the Father. Neither knows any man the Father but to save the Son. And he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. In other words, if Christ is in us, if Christ is our strength, then we will know the Father. There's no other way to know him. John 14.6 Jesus said to him I am the way the truth and the life no man comes to the Father but by me by having Christ in him John 17.3 this is life eternal that they might know thee the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent Eliphaz tells Job receive I pray you the law from his mouth and lay up his words in your heart and the law from his mouth includes these words Of course, Eliphaz doesn't know anything about him. But this is the truth that you and I need to understand. And ye have forgotten the exhortation which was spoken to you 
as unto children, my son, despise not the cha- you the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when you are rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges. That means pours out his wrath on every son whom he receives. Like Job. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chastens not? Now let's look at Acts 14 verse 22. Confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith and that with uh, much tribulation and that we must with much tribulation like Job enter into the kingdom of God. And then 1 Peter 4 verse 12 through 14. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, like Job, as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings, typified by Job's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. If you be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are you, for the Spirit of God and of uh, Spirit of God, Spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part is evil spoken of, but on your part he's glorified. Now, now they don't think they're evil speaking of him, but they are because they're speaking evil of his Christ. So, let's understand what's being said. Nobody goes around thinking, I am going to just blaspheme God and, and uh, it'll do, do me good to do so. They, they all think that they're serving God. Even the people who say, depart from us, why does it do us any good to serve you? Those people don't think that they're saying that. They don't. They don't think they're saying, "Oh, I don't. I don't want to serve God." I want. To. Those people are the people who actually think they are serving God. But while dominated by the stubborn, rebellious, self-righteous spirit of Eliphaz, we're blinded to these words. If you return to the Almighty, you shall be built up. You shall put away iniquity far from your tabernacles. Then shall you lay up gold as dust, and the gold of Ophir as the stones of the brooks. This is all true, but until we're granted to admit we have strayed from the sheepfold, we'll never be acquainted with the Almighty. As long as we are the ninety and nine which think they need no repentance, we can't see that the gold we are to acquire must be gold tried in fire. We will never be given to partake of the blessings of these riches until we see these things. Luke 15, verse 17, or verse 7. I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repents, more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. Because you say, I am rich and increased with goods, and have need of nothing... And know not that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I counsel you to buy of me gold tried in the fire, and that you may be rich, and white raiment that you may be clothed, and that the shame of your nakedness do not appear. And anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous therefore and repent. Now, who's he saying this to? He's saying it to people who say, I'm rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. That's the people who say, depart from us. Why should we 
keep your ways. It's the same people. They don't know they're saying that. Nobody thinks they're saying, I'm rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. They don't, they don't think they're saying that. They all think they're good people doing what God wants. As Eliphaz, we cannot accept such weighty words. We want only to have our decrees established and to have God's favor. That's the litmus test these days for who is and who isn't uh, in God's favor. Are you being physically blessed? Are you being prosperous in everything you lay your hand to? That is a sign of being a great man of God. And of course you end up being the great man of God that uh, is asking God to send Lazarus to cool your tongue. But anyway, Job 22 verses 25 through 28. Yes, the Almighty shall be your defense and you shall have plenty of silver. For then you shall you have the delight of the Almighty, delight in the Almighty and shall lift up your face unto God. You shall make your prayer to him and he will hear you and you will pay your vows. You will also decree a thing and it will be established to you. And the light shall shine upon your ways. Every word here is true when we but when we never see that all these blessings must be preceded by judgment upon our own house first, these words amount to nothing more than half truths. And so we're told, and this should add a new dimension to this verse of Scripture, and to several other verses of Scripture, when you realize that leaving out judgment as all all of us tend to do because we just don't want to think about it. We certainly don't want to think about it coming on us. And when we leave it out, here's what we're doing. We're just making all of God's Word, which is truth, we're making it half-truth. Because Psalms 119 verse 160 says, The sum of your Word is truth, and every one of your righteous ordinances will endure forever. In other words, the judgment's going to be there as well as the blessing. But the judgment will always precede the blessing. Part of that sum is these words, Matthew 4, 4. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. (laughs) That includes all those words of judgment. As Eliphaz, we read these words and we say, Amen, and we don't even have a clue what they mean. We continue to place every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God concerning the wicked and the judgment of those wicked off on that wicked Job, whose iniquities we see as being infinite. Somebody besides ourselves. As Eliphaz, these words of King David mean very little to us. Psalms 119 verse verse 75 tells us, I know, O Lord, your judgments are right. Judgment from God is good and that you're in your faithfulness you have afflicted me now just look at how Eliphaz's words utters words of truth even as he demonstrates that he has no idea what he's saying when men are cast down then you'll say there's a lifting up and he shall save the humble person well Eliphaz in you Eliphaz in me can't we see that it refers to the brother in front of us who is cast down? 
as the self-righteous Pharisee within us, who Eliphaz symbolizes, we acknowledge that men must be cast down before there can be a lifting up. We confess that God saves those who are first humbled. We speak of being pure. And all the while we think we're speaking of ourselves. Even as we argue against the obvious and undeniable truth that God is blessing the wicked in this age while simultaneously using them to chasten and discourage His elect. We read of suffering, suffering loss and yet being saved in 1 Corinthians 3.15 and we don't even see what we just read. We read that all things are ours and we don't see what we just read. We read that we're to keep the things written in the revelation of Jesus Christ. But we can't see the revelation of Jesus Christ is the revelation of the description of the seven churches within us. It's all the events described in each of the seven seals. It's the judgments of the seven trumpets, which are a perfect parallel of the seven bowls, which fill up the wrath of God, which is poured out upon our old self-righteous beast for the purpose of destroying that old man and thereby birthing a new man who is conformed to the image of our humble Lord who has given us this experience of evil evil, to humble us and to make us like him. We are given by God an experience of evil to humble us. Uh, Ecclesiastes 1.13 Now this is the concordant version. And it's got it right. I applied my heart inquiring and exploring by wisdom concerning all that is done under the heavens. It is an experience of evil. God has given the sons of humanity to humble them by it. So that is the essence of of the book of Job and of this chapter we're in. Uh, and, and next week we'll continue with this theme. Lord willing, we'll read of Job's answer to Eliphaz and we'll see how God's elect are just the first to be tried by the fire of God's word. And we will see that before that trial, we are just as self-righteous as Eliphaz. Before the spirit of Eliphaz is burned out of us. And as we ourselves live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. 